0: Hi everyone and welcome to Pulse the Podcast, podcast supported by or powered by Made with Love. Um, I'm Vince. And I'm Vince. We're covering the European tech scene and trying to shed some light on it and get it out of the shade of Silicon Valley. Today we have Andreas with us, founder and CEO of Made with Love. Hi Andreas and welcome.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. Hi Andreas. So, uh, first of all, uh, can you explain a little bit who you are and uh, what's Made with Love? So, I'm Andreas (laughs) and the founder of Made with Love. I've been running this company for 11 years now,
2: Um, and basically what we do is we help companies with their technical challenges, mainly startups and scale-ups. And so myself, I've been in startups since I knew it, actually. (laughs) Never done something else, I never worked somewhere. So I've been in in it forever, since uh, uh, I think I was in the Amsterdam startup scene before the word startup was even invented in Belgium. So yeah, been around for a while.
1: Cool. Uh so I think one of your job is to become like a CTO in the companies you help. Yes. And uh I saw that you have been CTO in like about thirty, twenty maybe startups and scale-ups. Twenty-two and counting. Okay. <coughs> cool. So so you obviously have a good experience of what a CTO is. So for you, uh what for you is the definition of a good CTO?
2: Yeah, that's it's a difficult question because it it depends on the stage your company is in, basically. In the beginning, you need to have this kind of what I call hacker type CTO, which is like a person who can quickly create things, um, proof of concepts, uh, like first versions of of a product, which shouldn't be very stable. I mean, they should be able to, to, to of course, deal with what your customers need, but yeah, they don't have to be able to scale massively, let's say.
1: Yes, to get product market fit. Yes, exactly.
2: (coughs) And then at, at one point in time, you need to shift into these kind of more like uh, process-oriented way of working where, yeah, you have that product market fit and you need to scale it up. So then as a CTO, need you need to shift your focus to, to stability and to, to quality, basically. Okay. Um, and then uh, that's typically also the time that you, you raise uh, like a, a series, uh, maybe an A round. And then in that in that time frame, you start, yeah, having to deal also with external uh, people, stakeholders, like your board, but also like you'll be onboarding a lot more developers. I uh, seem so to take care of that as well. Um, so yeah, there is a lot of things to 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 take care of, <clears throat> and uh, so in in that kind of position, you're a completely different person than than you were in the first days, let's say. So um, I'm not a believer that every C- CTO can like grow in that position uh, from day one till till like your company of like five hundred people, but yeah, it has been proven that it's sometimes possible.
1: So you say most of the time you have to change your CTO at some point because it's not yes. following up with uh, yes. That's the growth of the company? I
2: think in an early stage startup, you don't necessarily need a CTO. Um, mm-hmm. I would never name a developer a CTO unless he's a co-founder. Yeah. Um, and I think that most early stage, especially in the business that we are in, which is, is mainly SaaS businesses, yeah, this the role of a CTO is highly overrated in the, in the early
0: stage.
1: Yeah. And do you have a good example of someone that was a CTO at the very beginning of a company, and then still is the CTO when the company is like very big? I don't know, it's scaled up or
2: oh, not by heart.
1: That no. yeah. maybe that doesn't exist. So
2: I, I guess it does. Uh, d- definitely, it does. Um, but <coughs> yeah, if you look, for example, at 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 Vogels, uh, the CTO of Amazon, he has been in with Amazon since I think 2000 or something. So he's been mm-hmm. around for a while, and he. I think it was like one of his first jobs so it's not that he had like huge experience before that mm-hmm. um so i do think it's possible but these guys are kind of the yeah the pool. exception to the yeah. rule probably yeah exactly
1: yeah cool um so as as we said like you you worked in a lot of companies as a CTO and maybe as other positions what are the most common problems uh startups and scale-ups have uh most generally speaking, but also when it comes to product and engineering?
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. So we get a lot of calls mainly from, from investors and, and company owners um, asking us for assistance, and they always think it's a technical issue. So they, they call us and they mm-hmm. say, yeah, they're the tech team, they don't have it under control or whatever. And then when we dive in, we, we often find out it's, it's more of a people slash cultural issue. So in a lot of different cases that we have seen, the tech was okay-ish. Um, but the people, for example, were not able to explain the problems to their management. Um, yes. <coughs> but also, yeah, like very toxic environments are, are of course a problem. Uh, n- teams not taking up responsibility, um, no sense of urgency. Those are the mm. kind of typical things that we see. And and as a manager, sometimes it's extremely. If you're not a non-technical manager, like like a CEO or, or a co-founder, and and you don't have that technical um, experience, it's very hard to uh, to, to kind of understand like if they're saying the right thing you know Um, so technical people they they have the tendency to throw around with very technical terms (laughs) and so it's Mm -hmm. very easy to to overwhelm a non-technical person with things that they think that you have everything under control you know Um,
1: yeah exactly so yeah so it's how do you solve that because I mean technical problem for me it's maybe easier to solve people problem maybe you have to it's different you have to change the people Takes you have time. to fire people.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it takes time. That's, that's, that's one thing. So it's not that you can change it from day one. Um, it's, uh, it's also a bit part of our secret sauce, of course, of what we do. But um, you need to um, try to find the best for every individual there in, in the company. I think that's important to to, to make sure that they uh, are feeling welcomed in the company and that they also feel that they are trusted. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that you see a lot is that that, especially non-technical managers start micromanaging technical teams. Um, and so not giving them the freedom and the and the and the trust to actually do what they should be doing and and yeah they are always running behind things then because they are, they're micromanaged um, so um yeah and, and yeah sometimes you have to like when you have like very toxic people in organizations sometimes you you indeed have to fire them that's uh, that's the consequence of um of things and uh there is this saying that uh, that goes <coughs> hire slow, fire fast. And that's something that's extremely hard to put in practice, Um, but I think you should, and I'm I'm also very bad at it because firing people is very hard, but as Mm -hmm. soon as you lose trust with someone, especially in an early-stage startup, it's best to fire them as soon as possible because um, since you don't trust the person anymore and you need to work directly with them every day, you're not going to uh, use them at full uh, if you want because you don't trust them anymore.
1: Yeah, it's it's also... (coughs) Sometimes it's a question of trust but I think sometimes the people are you see work stars in companies and that that's actually toxic for the company. Yes. So how do you deal with that because mm-hmm. uh, that's different that's someone that's kind of is irreplaceable or Yeah, it's
2: it's it's a it's a, um, it's a classical example. It's also in the the Phoenix project the book there is this guy, yeah. guy I think he's called Brent if I'm not mistaken who is yeah. like the bottleneck of everything but and also the source of all information. Uh, yeah, and actually w- in a lot of situations we dive in, we find that kind of person. And, and uh, m- typically they are in the company for a long time. Um, and, and typically they are kind of lone wolves as well. So they, they, are, they are able to fix everything and, 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 and understand the whole uh, architecture of the, of, the, of, the, of the company. But also they are a very big problem because they are not sharing anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's
1: not in their interest to share actually because it they like be to be the yeah um,
2: they want to okay. be the f- kind of firefighter yeah. know-it-all person but yeah at one point in time maybe they want to leave the company or or they get sick or whatever and and, and those are typically the people who say that they're always busy and never going going can go on holiday mm-hmm. um so i think it was in their interest to, to actually yeah, get them out of that position and so how we deal with that is um we try to isolate them um so that that's um they're kind of outside the normal workflow so that we kind of yeah. bypass them and uh, not bypassing them in their knowledge, but bypassing them in terms of uh, the dependency on them. And so we, we always say, we make them consultants to the organization. So we put them on the side. We, they need to, their own job is to actually coach the team and, yes. and share their knowledge. Um, so write things down, write a lot of documentation. Um, yeah. And, and with most people it works. Um, sometimes we had cases already where, where it was not the case, and that's six, of course. But um, they they also realize that they're in that position, and, and if they're open for change, mm-hmm. um, it can work out nicely, actually. Cool.
0: All right. Um, moving a bit further, and, and looking at what Maple Love is, we well. Maple Love is a remote first company, right? Where yes. you're doing everything, um, and I can say we because I'm part of Maple Love. <laughs> um, you're doing everything remote, remote first what what is the biggest difference between remote and r- remote first or what is a remote first
2: um i mean let's first um i mean you, so you're asking what's the difference between re- normal remote companies and remote first companies mm-hmm. so yeah the, like the worst says we're remote from day one um but also um we're not actually uh, i wouldn't consider us ourselves as a completely remote company but we have a remote mindset so we do have an office um we do have people coming to an office but um if you come to our office, it's very boring because mm-hmm. there is no or very little interaction because most people have their headphones on all the time and they're in a call and, and slacking with other people. So basically, yeah. the, the idea of being a remote first company is that whenever you organize something or when you set up a meeting or whatever, you do it remotely, um, even if you're kind of co-located in, in the office. Like yeah. this, this Monday, we had a, a management meeting and there was two of my partners who were um, not in the office and our uh, CEO. We so we had a meeting with four and so it was kind of a remote meeting, and just me and my CEO, we were, we were in the same room, but with our headphones on and behind our own computer uh, in, in that meeting, and that makes a lot more sense because then the experience is the same for everyone. Um, and that's what you typically see in most companies is what they will do, and it's, um they'll have like the remote person on a laptop, like and everyone standing around him, and, and the experience for the remote person is going to be very bad in that case, it's and that's, horrible what you boy, yeah. Yeah, that's what you want to avoid at all, all cost, of course. Yeah.
1: And, and do you think remote is like the future, or is it like for some companies it works, for some companies mm-hmm. they will continue doing things like they always did, and so it will be like that?
2: Yeah, so so there is a lot of things to say about that, but remote is is, is the future in, in a certain sense. Of course, not all jobs can be done remotely, I think that's important. As a receptionist in a company, it's very hard to do that remotely, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, especially in our industry, I think most of the jobs can be done remotely, there is a lot of advantages uh, to that, for example it's it's a lot easier to find people because your talent pool is a lot bigger. Um, also the, the very good people, um, I mean a lot of very good people go remotely because they f- will find a job anyway um, and so um, you can find these kind of uh, people that are extremely good that are just in the wrong place let's say and you can still hire them and they can work for you without any, any issues. So. And that's, that's extremely cool about, about remote. And um, one of the other very big advantages for me about remote work is the, is the fact that everything you do is, is documented. Um, so everything is done in, in, in a Slack channel or, or email or whatever project management tool you're using. And the communication and documentation is at a way higher level than, than anything else, which is extremely nice.
0: It is very nice, and uh, I'm really convinced about remote work as well. Like Having experienced it for almost two years now, it's great to work this way, and you do have the the big advantage of everything that is documented. You work with people who are able to communicate really well, which is very nice. And when I talk to other people about remote work, um, companies in Belgium that that aren't working remotely, the question or the, the remark I get is, yeah, it's probably not for us. We're not able to do it while they're actually doing the same stuff as we do. So, uh, and I guess it's it's one part of belief and one part of how to organize yourself as no, a remote it's company. It's
2: also about who you hire. So, yeah, um, because we are a remote company, we hire people for working remotely. Um, and so, a lot of companies hire people um, that are that. I mean, it's not only about having to come to an office. But if you're not like responsible, or if you're not a good communicator. You will never be able to function in in a remote company. So that's that's really where that on on really the hiring already is there it should be a a, a a very big difference. And if managers are not up for being re- remote because they cannot trust their people, then yeah, there is no way that you can turn such an organization into a remote organization unless you make drastic changes to to how you deal with things.
0: Yeah. Imagine you have the the right set of people to go remote. How would you organize yourself? What would be the next steps?
2: It's funny. I, w- I was having a discussion with someone uh, at Starstuck a couple of weeks ago, who was in, in in a session I was giving, and she was saying that she was introducing remotes to her company, and um, the first thing that they would do is to do a remote week. So they would start with one week, everyone from home or wherever, just to try it out. Okay. And I think that's a pretty cool concept because then you get started and everyone gets the hang of it without having um, the risks of yeah, let's let's get a rid of our office and whatever, but just test it out for a while and see how it works. I think That's it's a good cool. she was coming from automatic, so which is a completely remote company as well. Uh, and she wanted to install that culture in our new company. So makes makes sense. Um, I think it's maybe a good way to start. Um, also what you see is that of course homeworking and, and that kind of also answers uh, what what Finch was asking earlier, but um homeworking is going to get more important because, yeah, traffic jams, especially here in Belgium, like there is traffic congestion everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. It takes people a lot of time, like three hours uh, a day, to, to get to their, to their office. So you see in a lot of companies already that they, that they are doing homework, uh, like w- that they are allowing like one or two days a week homework. But if you allow that for your whole team, probably n- it's never that your whole team is on site, right? And so you are already kind of a remote company. Yeah, most companies yeah. actually...
1: Uh the biggest ones—they are already remote, even yes. though they say uh, we are not remote. But they already have offices exactly. everywhere. Exactly. Yes. So, yeah,
2: so, so the, the most companies are already remote, but they're just not adapted to it. Uh, so they have meeting rooms with very bad, um, yeah, Zoom or whatever facilities for video conferencing, and then yeah, that just sucks big time. Because um, what what happens in those kind of situations is that they they kind of delay decisions up until yeah. a moment that the the decision makers are together in an office, which yeah, which makes the company slow down because yeah, they're just delaying everything. And that's very sad.
1: Yeah. I, I want to quote something from Steve, actually, Steve Tober, which is a, a working uh, with Made With Love. And he says in his tweet, he says, I've said it before and I will say it again, remote work shines a spotlight on this function. So your problem isn't with remote work, but it's with communication or people or culture or knowledge sharing or, c- or technical deficiency, etc. Exactly, yeah, that's, yeah.
2: W- that's what I was saying about, about the micromanaging. So yeah. um, when, you, when you do remote work, um, as a person, and that's what I always tell, tell our, our people is, I don't care how much you work as long as the work is done and the results are there. And that's, that's really the different mindset uh, than um, yeah, being in a company. And what I hear a lot from CEOs um, is, yeah, I want, I want to be able to see my people, like physically see them sitting in my office right yeah. and and I had clients where they were putting out messages uh, on the selection like uh, everyone please come to the office tomorrow because there is a client coming in and we want to pretend that there is that we're always working here
1: Busy bees. So yeah. Yeah. yeah so
2: and that obsu- that that that's like in the beginning when I started made it Love like when I was like I think I was 15 years old when I started doing business and um you had all, I, I was in a group of people like a lot of different people doing the similar things and uh, some of them they had like five different email addresses pointing to the same person yeah. pretending they had a big company. And that's, for me, that's more or less <laughs> the same, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah.
1: Yeah, and have you successfully turned a classical company, I would say, th- and into a remote company, or is it really something that's difficult? Um,
2: I made companies more remote-friendly, uh, let's say, but I'm, I, I never had a chance to completely turn a company into a remote company. And Is it something
1: that you want to do, or is it like, yeah, maybe we'll focus on technical problems I mean first? I, and I
2: I don't think it's, I don't think it's, it's our role to do that. I think mm. it, it should be the CEO taking decision like that. Um, but if I ever yeah. get the chance, of course, I'll. I'll if it's I'll not backed by the
0: city, the CEO, I think yeah. it's uh, no.
1: probably worthless. Yes. Uh,
0: do you have any any tip or first step you would um, give to a CEO once to try a remote?
1: I think the, the, the
2: one week thing. I think it's a good good idea to do. But, but already, um, also as a CEO, I mean, um, a lot of CEOs, I guess, are traveling a lot. Um, and and what you see then is that, yeah, they miss out on a lot of meetings because they're traveling and they cannot physically be there. For me, I don't care if a meeting is, I mean, for example, on Monday, we have a, like Monday morning, we have like management meeting or whatever. It takes like three hours of meetings for me. And I know wherever I am, I can attend that meeting and, 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 and have the same experiences as, as every week. And that's, of course, a huge difference Uh, with a lot of other companies where it would be a problem and uh, they would have to call it in on the phone and put it on speakerphone and stuff like that. And that makes makes no sense.
0: Yeah, it's horrible. Like quality of the meeting goes down very rapidly. Yes, exactly. Mm. Do you have a, because a lot of our people are scattered all over the world, do you have some systems in place for yourself to keep in touch with them, to kind of bond with them (coughs) along the way? Yeah,
2: so um, that's a good question. So um, what I Used to do and and lately I, it slipped a bit because I got a new son and, uh, and took <laughs> took quite some time for me. But on Thursday nights, my wife is out. Uh, she has an activity every Thursday night, and so I would work on Thursday night, and that would be the time where I would ping all the remotes one by one, like how are you doing, That's just checking cool. in with them. So um, I think it's important to to do that, especially if people are in other time zone. Uh, so we have people yeah. in 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 uh, in Eastern time in the U.S., um, uh, which is a six five to six hours difference. So they are, that's perfect for me to be able to, to have a chat with them and, and, and have a conversation with them. And I mean, we have tools like Know Your Team um, that we use, of course, to keep in touch, but it's not gonna have like these kind of st- strict rules of like, I'm going to ping uh, every, everyone every day or something, that's, that's not what I'm doing. Um, I'm thinking maybe I should do one-on-ones again um, with everyone, but it's it's a lot of time that you spend on that, so uh, we have, of course, like reviews and stuff that, that happen anyway. Um, and I have the feeling that that I have a good uh, conversation. Uh, collab- I mean, that that I never like miss out on on, on having them next to me, if you want. Uh, and of course, we have our retreat every year with with the company, which help massively with bonding with, with yeah. people.
1: I was going to ask a question about that. So it's very unique. Uh, that's something I've never seen before in other companies. So other companies usually what they do is a uh, one day uh, offsite and they do paintball or carding. Or I don't know. So at Met with Love is one week. So yeah. it's very long. And uh, so, can you explain if it's? Oh, you see the the worth in that because it's like uh, like twenty five people not working for a week. I mean, not really working for customers. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so. So it's cost a lot of money. So.
2: Yeah. The yeah. the. Um, yeah, it's. it's is it, it really worth it? It is. So 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 you have to put it in perspective. So first of all, we are a remote company. That means that we don't need an office to to have everyone in, right? So. Mm which uh, we, sh- we save a lot of money on that. Um, we're right. saving a lot of money, for example, on company cars. Uh, in Belgium, it's typically difficult oh typical yeah. to give company cars to people. So there is a lot of things we save money on. Uh, that's one thing. Um, and um, if you're a remote company, you need to have this kind of bonding time with the team. Um, ideally, I would think you would want to do them twice a year, but that's just not practically possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and why is it a week? Because we are flying in people from... Yeah, from from from, for example, Argentina and, and Brazil, and they're traveling up. I think thirty-six to forty-eight hours to get here. So if it would be like one or two days, yeah. it would be <laughs> quite a long travel. So so that's why we said. I mean, ideally for me it would be uh, the working week. So about five days. I think now it was six or seven days. I don't remember. Um, and so yeah, that we just take in the working week um, because yeah, that's it's it's work related anyway. Um, and that, um, and you need that time, um, especially because we're a remote company, sometimes we, there is people that never met someone before. So and you right. need that time to be able to have like conversations with everyone. And I think what we're using it, what we're doing is we're doing these like presentations. Everyone needs to do a presentation or a workshop or whatever, and it really helps also with knowledge sharing within the company. So for us, it's really an investment in, 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 in the company. And it, it is expensive. Um, there's of course the cost of the retreat itself. But mm-hmm. then there's, of course, also the opportunity cost of not working for clients. So, yep. so it's, indeed, it, it's indeed a high cost, but I think it's justifiable. Um, yeah, I had a, had a conversation with someone who was like in t- has a company around uh, wellness, or oh, well-being and HR, pretty well-known company here in Belgium. And, and he said there was like different tiers of, of companies. And the, 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 the best tier, let's say, they spend around 200 uh, euros per month Per employee on on the on kind of HR related uh, benefits package, and yeah. no? that's what I would with the retreat and so we're right in that category. So that's if you put it in that perspective, it's still it's still okay, but it's indeed a lot of money.
1: Yeah, but yeah, th- that's really cool, and I was able to attend the first one a few weeks ago, and yeah, definitely your first one. I did, de- yeah, my first <laughs> one. I didn't I definitely see the value of it. So yeah. I would encourage more companies to do that.
2: Yeah, it's it's. I think a lot of companies are also a bit afraid of doing it. Um, what you see a lot of people doing is they they do this kind of team building and they put it over the weekend. So mm-hmm. usually they leave it Friday on Friday yep. morning or something, and there's like one day of working and then work day that you get for free and then two days of. But yeah, I mean that's. <coughs> I think personally that your work should never um, or uh, we should try to not to get into your personal time with with work. Um, and so yeah that's why I, I don't like that kind of uh things, but yes. also what you see with those companies they they only focus on the fun part most of the time, so they do like a paintball and whatever, mm-hmm. and they're not doing the knowledge sharing or 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 yeah, and that's mm-hmm. what i if you look at what we're doing is like we're doing like two or three activities in a week um and the rest is really knowledge sharing and working on the company um and since we're a remote company, I mean maybe in other companies they do it throughout the year, so they're losing that time anyway throughout the year mm-hmm. um but yeah, because I want all the people to be present when when we have that kind of discussion, like physically present, because that's still uh, it's a different difference in in, in experience. Um, it's a good opportunity to do it, to do it then. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's remote, but at the same time, it's important to be together. I exactly. Guess. Yes, Once you so see
2: every remote company doing that. Yeah. So I think Buffer, for example, they go twice a year.
1: Yep. Um, right. I was going to to use that example as well, yeah. which is a very good. One I think uh, Invision is also uh, one of the biggest. Uh, full remote companies. I think there are like 500 people, and yeah, they gather like twice a week, uh, twice a year as well. And uh, yeah, you talk about automatic as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, that's that's what they do definitely. Um, so as uh, as Vince said at the beginning, uh, so we want to to focus this podcast on Europe, and because uh, now we we have a good tech ecosystem. At least we think so. And so, do you think uh, Europe uh, can compete with Silicon Valley, or is it like still something inaccessible, or it, uh, or at It's I- irrelevant actually because uh, it's not the same, the same thing, and we should not compare. Or what's your what's your point of view on that?
2: Um, yeah, I've been on both places, so I've been in San Francisco for for a while, and and and, and of course, Europe I know very well. It's different. Um, in in the US, it's all focused about uh, around mainly around New York and uh, San Francisco, of course, mm. or Silicon Valley uh, as a well. whole. Um, and um, in Europe, it's more spread out. So there is London, there is Paris, uh, there is Amsterdam, yeah. of course, there is Berlin, there is there is uh, yeah yeah. At the time, you can
1: take a train from Paris to mm. Amsterdam. It's like three hours. And yeah, but really but
2: the the, the the difference is that it's more spread out. So um, I think the biggest um, hubs are are for yeah, I forgot Dublin actually. Um, But what you see is that that, um, also the the rounds of funding, um, Mm -hmm. like what we call a Series A in Europe is a seed round in the US. Um, And so, but that's actually, it's changing. So that's good. So we're catching up. And you see that also, I think the investment in in Silicon Valley is slowing down. Um, But yeah, it's it's something that um, I I wouldn't say we're, we're catching up because of course, historically they have way more capital in the US. Um, but we're we're, we're, yeah. we're catching up on on lot of different things. Yeah.
1: At the same time in the US, you raise more money, but the people cost yeah more, exactly. cost yeah. twice so yeah. maybe if you if you end what what uh, what the the biggest cost in a company in a startup is uh, is the, uh, the is people. Is the people of course. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think we'll never reach uh, the the amounts. But, but, but it's not maybe only it's about go- maybe it's a good thing because yeah, wh- what
2: y- f- what you see in Europe is this kind of. Companies that do it differently. Uh, there is there is these examples of companies that that without raising a lot of money get also big, and I think that's way more promising than. I mean, and, and we work of course for a lot of investors, um, but I mean I always say people if you can bootstrap it and be successful like that, it's of course the best thing best yeah. thing to do. Yeah, um, funding is
0: not always a good option. No, Free no. company there to is I
2: always make this kind of comparison. Like in the in the nineties, everyone wanted to be Kurt Cobain and, and buy a guitar, right? In the Middle East, everyone buy like a DJ. Mixer uh, to to be a, become a DJ and and today it's like and we're always at the end of the decennium so I'm not sure what will happen next but in in the in the in, in the last decennium basically everyone wants to be a startup founder and and that's really what you see and so it's cool to have a startup it's cool to raise funds but if you raise funds um, you, what you see a lot is like these kind of two people going to raise a seed round and try to make something and failing at it. Um, and they just do it, and, and and it's also, the schools are pushing for that, really, like entrepreneurship and whatever, which is cool, but also maybe we have gone a bit too far in that, because mm-hmm. um, there is a lot of things that see daylight that have no reason to exist, and I think one of the very big differences between Europe and the US is in the US, people will tell you, like, this is a scrappy idea, and, yeah, and you'll not be now. able to raise funds with it, and but what happens in Europe is, um, there is a lot of subsidies as well here, and, mm. and, and so these kind of things get subsidized, and because they get subsidized, they also get some, some fair amount of funding. And so you have these kind of ideas which make no sense at all, which get funding to subsidies to the bank and to some kind of smaller family or friends investment, manage to raise kind of a, a good round, seed round, to start things building, but then no one is buying it. And that's something that's, that I don't typically see happening in the U.S. because they don't have that kind of uh, government fund funding uh, happening there
1: yeah and it's funny because they 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 do that to maybe catch up with the u s ecosystem, but yeah. it's actually Makes doing no more sense. harm yeah. than yeah than good so
2: yeah and yeah one one other thing is and and I'm not sure if it's it's a Belgian or a European thing, but we are too polite to each other, so there is this standard i mean in the u s if your already sucks, they're going to say it, and here yeah. we're like more polite and we're like, yeah, you can try or whatever um and that's of course also not helping. A lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. And maybe we <laughs> don't have the same idea of what is good and what is not good because we don't have like the the experience of these people being in the Silicon Valley for like uh, twenty five years. And uh,
2: I think I, we're we're getting more and more of that kind of experience coming over again. Um, so I was in a wave of people in Amsterdam um, that at one point in time all left for the US. Um, so uh, we have friends. I have friends at Facebook. At whatever companies, any any big company in, in the US uh, or in Silicon Valley, that I had people that I knew that were working there and, and you see them not coming back. So the nice thing about that is that they realize because they're not getting into like 30, 35, and so they want to maybe to build up a family and they know that yes. maybe the US is not the right place to do that. So they're coming back and so also that knowledge comes back. So, so I, I think there was like a new wave of, 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 of startups being being founded. Like for example, Framer is a good example of that. Yeah, um, Because they were working at Facebook and then they came back. So so, so they, they had this company made by Sofa in, in, in Amsterdam. They w- it was acquired by Facebook. They were there for like two, three years and now, and now they're back. Uh, you can say the same of of, of uh, the uh, Jeremy Levant, the founder founder yes. Sunrise. He was acquired by. I uh, was working in the US for a long time. It's got acquired by Microsoft. Uh, does his vesting period and and leaves. So that's something that you mm-hmm. that you will see more and more happening, and and that means that this sound comes back to Europe. Huh? He's now st- uh, the the at Cowboy. So, um, yeah. and so we can only yeah.
1: But I think that's the case. That's more the case for entrepreneurs because I have a, I have been to to Silicon Valley as well. I lived there for four years and. Uh, what I saw is like entrepreneurs that went there to s- yeah, see it like a like a gold mine or something, and they came back. But but people like working in big companies like uh, Google or Facebook, they stayed. So that's that's my experience. And maybe that f- for an employee type uh, of people, like they they want to stay. And, uh, yeah, because entrepreneurs n- it
2: depends also the level you're in in into that. So so. So, for example, the the the, the people that um, that I know that, for example, are working at a Facebook as an engineer, they mm-hmm. need to stay because it's just too good to be true. I mean, they yeah. have so deep pockets that there is no way you can, as a European company, compete with that. And they take all the yeah, all the things that they're not getting um, in terms of like social benefits and stuff like that that we have here in Europe. They they can afford that themselves. But if you yeah. if you're in an earlier stage startup in the US, I mean, it makes no sense at all. Um, you see a lot of people from actually that I know. That were working in the US moving to Dublin. Um mm-hmm. so still w- working for the same company but moving to the Dublin offices or Paris offices. Um that's but staying So because life
1: company. is more affordable or yeah. because I think w- because I the want to be closer
2: to, to home. Um yeah. no. I think that's that's one of the main reasons for people to come back. Was well, also my reason to, to come back. So
1: I can understand that. Okay, so so you're you're really t- I w- I would say a technical person. Is it correct or not? Sorry. Is it correct to say that you're a technical yes person? <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so so you I, g- I guess you follow a lot of uh, the new technologies and stuff. So what's your what's the thing that you saw recently that uh, you're really uh, in love with and that you want to to use more?
2: Hmm. That's a good question. There's nothing that that really comes to mind uh, immediately. Um, I try to keep in touch with everything that we do, um, so I do some programming, I try to get to do some DevOps stuff, and, and recently I tried deploying a uh, Dockerized application into Kubernetes, and just the way that that kind of ecosystem changes how applications are deployed and ran, that's really impressed me. So the the fact, one, one of the things that really um, amazed me is like, I've always being frustrated by the fact that a web server um, most of the time just works on on, on the, the naked domain, let's say. Mm-hmm. And so you can do routing on, on the domain level and your application does the routing uh, based on the URL, right? And um, with with Kubernetes and Ingress, you can actually route different uh, URLs to different applications. And that's, of course, what Google has been doing for a long time. Like you have Google.com, yeah. the Google itself, but then there is Google News, which is, googlecom slash news and they've been right. using like that technology underneath. And with a with a normal Apache or Nginx web server, that's I mean, with with Nginx you can do it as a proxy. But that kind of blew my mind. Like, yeah, it opens so much possibilities yeah. in terms of like how you can deal with things. So, so yeah, maybe
1: that. <laughs> so it's things like that that were impossible like five years ago are now yeah available and for everyone.
2: Yes, exactly. And it's changing. Of course, everything is changing rapidly. Um, I've also been 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 diving into into React Native. Um, for a project that we have been doing. And, and so there also, like, mobile development for me was something I always wanted to dive into. I did, like, maybe three or four times, started, like, a Swift course and whatever.
1: Yeah, same but here.
2: Yeah, but then I was like, yeah, uh, uh, maybe later. I mm-hmm. think I even started with Objective-C first. And then and then the React Native came across, and, and I was just used, being able to use JavaScript to make, like, a good-looking mobile application, and that really impressed me as well. Like, the the amount of effort that... You have to put in it is way lower than than anything else. So, yeah, th- I, I think agree. those kind of things are. I mean, I think in the end we will end up with one language, which is JavaScript on everything. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not, but. Um,
1: Some people will not like it, but. Uh,
2: yeah, and <laughs> but but it's 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 impressive to see how that kind of ecosystem is is evolving rapidly. I think like five years ago, it was nowhere to be seen like that.
1: Yeah, and also yeah it's much easier to do some stuff so maybe we'll need m- less developers in the future so you, you see the you know the <coughs> job uh, evolving
2: i i say there's three types of developers i don't know if you know but it's uh, it's a bit like the, with the cto's but there is what i call hackers there is what i call developers okay. and there is what i call software engineers mm-hmm. and so the hackers are people that can take a tutorial and do it so they take a tutorial and they, they can finish the tutorial and maybe adapt it a bit to their situation. Or they copy-paste from Stack yeah, Overflow. Stack Overflow mm-hmm. copy-paste, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. The script kitties, uh, <laughs> you can also call them. Right. Then there is a developer, which is someone who can take the documentation of a framework, for example, let's say, Express in, 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 in Node or, or Laravel in PHP, and they can use the framework to actually make something. right? That's mm-hmm. what I call developer. developer. But they are not the ones going to make the the framework, so that's what I call an engineer, which is a person mm. who can really come up with the architecture and, and the, the difficult things underneath. And so um, I think for the script kiddies, yeah, they're going to get a hard time. Um, they'll move more and more into just clicking in interfaces to do things like with Zapier and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, or the they will de-
1: become developers.
2: Yeah, but yeah, hopefully for them, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> and f- the developer's job, of course, it, it will it will be there, but it's it's less interesting to do and the software engineering job will be there forever there is no yeah. way that 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 I mean as long as I live the code will write itself so there will always be have to be someone who is writing like the 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 actual framework yeah. things are happening
0: yeah that and i guess the the focus of an engineer or developer will be completely somewhere else like if a framework will allow you mm-hmm. to do something you can focus on on another part of the application
1: yeah all right but yeah, you're right because if, even if robots replace some people we st- you still have to build the robots exactly. so yeah. that's what the software engineers will do yeah. alright um, I think we'll do a last question and uh, sure. that will be that will be the, the end of or first episode of this podcast alright um, um, so you can do uh, you can do
0: it Vince what's next for you and for Made with Love
2: ah, that's a good question um, <coughs> let's start with Maybe Love. Love yeah, there it's um, we always say we don't want to grow, so so, and that's something that we that we really believe in, because um, there is a lot of when when I talk to people, and they always ask me like how many employees you have and um, what's your revenue and all of that kind of stuff, and I really don't care about that. I just want to make fun and, and have a nice company. So we we really don't have these kind of targets. Like in two years, we want to be with 100 people. If we wanted to be, we could be, but I don't want that. Um, so for me, it would love more of the same, uh, but at a different, different level. So we are always getting better and better at, at what we do. We have very good people and our people are also getting better at what they do. So um, yeah, for, for me, it's really staying on the, on the same route there. Uh, for me personally, um, for me it's a kind of, I'm, a, I'm in a kind of split position where I'm of course the CEO of a company, so I need to be able to run the company. And then I also need to, uh, I, I really want to deal with clients as well. So if you're a typical CEO of a company our size, most of the time you're not involved in projects anymore. You're doing like administration and whatever, blah, blah, blah. I Today, I would say it's like 50-50. Um, and so I really want to get more client work in there. So um, we're, we're actually going to hire someone new to take on a bit of my business development responsibilities and, and and kind of internal project management, so that I get more free time to to focus on on building the company uh, uh, in in one way, but also spending time with clients because that's what I I really like the the most. Um, so yeah, that's
0: what I think. It I hope it. Cool. Cool sounds very cool.
1: Thanks so a lot, Andreas. Um, that was our first podcast. Um, hope you liked it, and uh, yeah you soon for the next episode
0: yeah and if you liked it don't forget to subscribe <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> okay bye Bye-bye.